right, I can hear the rumbling here. sin, 
and condemn sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that walk after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. And if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you, now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. All right, let's pray once again. Father, we ask that you bless the reading of your word. Father, we ask that you magnify your word in our hearts today and that we would be changed by it. Father, help us to leave here a different person, one that's closer to you. Father, we ask that these things in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we saw in verse seven that the carnal mind is enmity against God. And we learn that enmity is, is the devil of a man or the devil in a man. And that an enemy, two different words, enemy, an enemy can be reconciled, but enmity cannot. Now we, we have lots of examples of enemies being reconciled Namely, uh, we can think of World War II when um, Japan and the United States were bitter enemies. You can't get much more of an enemy than those two countries. But when all the fighting was over and peace was declared, we became friends, became reconciled to each other. And now Japan is one of our greatest allies. You know, enemies can be reconciled, but enmity can. Enmity is against God. Everything that the person does is against God. He works against God. He tries to dwarf God's work, uh, works uh, just against God. But I want you to look in verse 8. Notice um, that the flesh, it says, cannot please God. Uh, verse 8 says, So then that they, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. The flesh, we've already learned, is related to sin. It's talking about sin. When we talk about most of the places in the Bible, when it talks about the flesh, it's talking about sinful flesh. Um, it's the sin. It, you, if you look at in Leviticus, it talks about the flesh and the corruption of leprosy, uh, 
Isaiah 1 talks about uh, the, the sinful flesh. You're talking about the person that from the crown, from the sole of his feet to the crown of his head, he's full of wounds and bruises and putrefying sores that have not been mollified, neither bound up. That's what our sin is like. If you could describe what God sees in terms that we can understand, that's what it looks like to Him. Our flesh, our sinful flesh, is full of wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. And that flesh, it cannot please God. There's nothing about the flesh that can please God. Look at verse 9, it says, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is nothing, he is none of his. Notice the contrast in these verses, there are several of them. They're marked by that word, but. Uh, all the way to verse 11, there's four five of them talk about or throw out that contrast and it's always contrasting the spiritual mindset with the fleshly mindset notice the contrast and the division notice how it also falls in our theological statement and that's for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord for the wages of the flesh is death for the wages of the carnal mind is death you know you can use those words interchangeably and they separate it there's it's, a, it's highlighting our separation from god because of sin Uh, the next thing we see in looking at those contrasts is there's only two of them. You know, we've already talked about it already that every person lives by one of these two mindsets. Either they live by the fleshly mindset or they live by the spiritual mindset. There's no other, there's not a third category for which we can live by. We all live by one of those two. And we talked about at length a little bit about what, what I mean when I say a mindset is. Just to remind you, a mindset is how a person lives. What's the goal of their life? And we remind you, reminded you of when we were reading through Pilgrim's Progress, and you look at his life, the goal of his life was to get to the celestial city. But it wasn't an easy path for him to get there. You know, he was drawn away, he was tempted, he was sinned. And, we're not, and when we talk about a spiritual mindset, that doesn't mean that we're perfect. We still have those potholes along the way that we get into. But our mindset is to continue on, to come out of that pot, out of that pothole and continue on to pleasing God, a life that pleases God. 
That's a spiritual mindset. Every believer wants to please God. That's his desire, the desire of his heart. That's his heart cry and wants to please God. On the other hand, the carnal mindset or the, the fleshly mindset or our natural mindset just pleases himself. And also, I, I might have been a little unclear when I was talking about the spiritual mindset. And that spiritual mindset that I'm talking about is when a, when a Christian comes to faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ dwells them, indwells that person. When I talk about the spiritual mindset, that's what I mean. I don't mean spiritual like um, Hinduism where you sit and meditate on and try to clear your mind of all thoughts or you trust in some idol or some other modern, well they're not even modern, we like to call them modern religion, but they're not, they're all just false religions. They're just false. So I don't mean that kind of spirit that causes you to ultimately worship yourself. What I'm talking about is that Holy Spirit that dwells every believer. One know which one they are. 
how do you know which mindset you are? Because we, you know, just as Paul did, we, we discovered in chapter 7 that Paul struggled with sin. He struggled with it. We all struggle with sin. And that's that pothole I was talking about. For the Christian, it's a pothole. They sin, they confess, and they come out of it, and they go on serving God. So how can you tell? When you look in the mirror, so to speak, what do you see? Do you see a spiritual person or do you see a carnal person? You see, the person living in the carnal mindset can turn over a new leaf. And the Christian is not a person that's just turned over a new leaf started doing other things. I remember when I was a teenager, I was at one of my friend's house, and some kind of argument erupted between my friend and his mother. I don't remember the content of the argument, but I do remember what was said at the end of it. The mother said, you're going to church tomorrow. This is on a Saturday. And the son said, yes, I am. And they, they used that, you know, looking back at it, they used that, well, just going to church is kind of like a, a good guy or a new leaf turnover pill that you go and you do, and all right, you're good for a while. You can't come to church just to turn over a new leaf. Something deeper is going on when a person comes to faith in Christ. The person living for God wants to please God. But sometimes they can appear to be living in the flesh. So, for me, looking at someone else or you looking at someone else we can never be all the way sure, 100% sure of what that person is when he looks in the mirror that person just in the middle of that leaf turned over or is it actually a spiritual person you know over time we can we can raise that percentage scale in our minds, okay, I think 80% of him is probably a Christian, 99.9% .9 is probably a Christian. Or you know what, I'm, I don't know, he, he's, look at him and he's just going, it just looks horrible. Where's he at? You know, we can never tell by another person. Actually, I'm thankful for that, that my salvation and your salvation is not dependent on how other people look at us. It's dependent on our relationship with God. 
So to help us understand what I'm talking about, turn over to John chapter 3. We're going to take a survey of this chapter. chapter 3 is um, a chapter where Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the night and wants to talk to him. Uh, John chapter 3 verse 1 says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do the miracles that thou doest except God be with him. You know, we, we read that and we say, we kind of wonder, does, does Nicodemus even really know why he came to see Jesus? I mean, he doesn't really explain that. We, we understand that Nicodemus is a ruler and knows Jesus has done some miraculous thing, but he doesn't really say that you know, I come to Jesus for X. And Jesus answered him, verse 3, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus didn't leave Nicodemus in that state of uncertainty. All we know for sure is that Nicodemus was compelled to come to Jesus and talk to him. And, Je and, Nicod and Jesus did not leave him in that in uncertainty. He took him right to the point and said, a man, the most important thing for a man to do is be born again. He says, except a person is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. A person must be born again to see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus questions that. How can a person be born again? And in verse 5, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou not hearest the sound thereof, but cannot, canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Jesus makes a distinction here between the flesh and the Spirit. And that Spirit he's talking about, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He makes a distinction here, and it's the same distinction we've been looking at in Romans 8, the two mindsets. Jesus is just describing it a different way. The Spirit he's talking about is the Spirit of God. And Nicodemus probably understood being born of the flesh, probably understood that part. 
because every one of us were born in the flesh. We have a mom. I was talking to my brother this week, and he he's a farmer, and he sells produce at the farmer's market. And he says sometimes when people come to me, they, they look like they've been drinking vinegar or something and lemons. And he'll hand them a tomato, and he says, you know, every time I give someone a tomato, I realize that God's word is true. And the person will look, often looks at him and says, what are you talking about? And he says, I grow tomatoes for a living. And I've grown a lot of tomatoes. And I've never, ever picked a squash off a tomato plant. So God's word is true. So, just an illustration. I don't know why I even said that. <laughs> oh yeah, Nicodemus understood what it meant to be born of the flesh. Notice verse 8, verse eight there again. The wind bloweth where it listeth. Thou hearest the sound thereof, but thou but canst not tell from whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So it is with everyone that is born of the Spirit. Just every illustration breaks down at some point. But I want you to think about this for a moment. You know, I feel the wind blowing on the back of me and y'all feel it on the front of me and I see y'all, some of you over there shivering when you feel, you can feel the wind blowing. You don't really know where it came from. You don't know where it's going. Have you ever been out, especially in March is a good time to do this, March and April. You, you go outside and you feel the wind blowing really hard and you look up. And you know the wind's coming from a certain direction, like right now it's coming from behind me. But you look up and you see a cloud going in a different direction. It just blows your mind to think about that. You, you continue looking up there and you see another cloud going in a, yet another direction. And you look farther and you look up there and you see clouds that are not moving at all. And you wonder, huh? How in the world can that be? Close your mind to think about that. But the point is, you know the wind blowing, because you can feel it and you can hear it. But when you try to figure out why those clouds are going in different directions and some are not even moving at all, you can truly say that, you know, I don't understand it. I know the wind's blowing. I don't know where it come from, I don't know where it's going. Or how many times have you been outside and you looked and you you see a big thunderstorm, a, a big thundercloud there, and, and the way it, wind is blowing towards it, but the storm is coming towards you, it's getting closer. Then when you get to the thunderstorm, the wind starts blowing away from the storm. 
I mean, just think about that. It blows your mind. But you know, the wind was blowing. Don't where it's going or where it came from. And that's how it is with the Spirit. Now, when a person comes to Christ, and that Spirit indwells them, the person knows something happened to them. The person knows their life was changed. But they can't quite put their finger on it. Am I the only one that feels that way? We can't quite put our finger, but we know something happened. Life was changed. And especially at the very beginning, you have that and the next day you wake up and you wonder what happened. Did something really happen? Or is this the result of something I ate? You know? That's the way it is with the Spirit. I think that's who Paul is addressing in Romans. Our new Christians. He's giving them assurance of their salvation. But he draws a line here. Bold line. Our windows word and typing. It's this bold type. Bold line. And, it, and that line is this. It says a person that has the spirit of God in him. Is that the spiritual mindset? And the person that doesn't have the spirit of Christ in them is not a Christian. Very distinct line you put there. Look down at John, verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus here, in the previous verses, Jesus here explains where he came from. The verse right before this. He explained where he came from and what he's talking about. And now he's explaining how one can receive that Spirit. How can one receive that Holy Spirit that we're talking about? How he does it. You look at verse 16 and it's very, it's just one simple thing. It's belief. Belief. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Then he goes on to say that 
Jesus didn't come in the world to condemn the world. Why didn't he come and condemn the world? Look at verse 18. It says, He that believeth on him is not condemned. Remember in verse 1 of chapter 8 of Romans? There is no more condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Same thing he's saying here in John. He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed. In the name of the only begotten Son of God. See there's that line again. The line that Jesus is putting there. That distinct line. There's that person that believes in Christ. And is not condemned. There's the other person that is uh, doesn't believe and is condemned already. Notice there that what it is that keeps a person from it is unbelief. We talked about a lot of that in Romans. Unbelief. Romans chapter 1. Men love the flesh, sin, and death rather than the light. Verse 19, it says, And this is the condemnation. The light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Thus, people are condemned because they didn't believe. Notice what John, how John the Baptist says the same thing. Look at the last verse there in John 3, verse 36. He says, He that believeth on the Son has everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. Now this is everything that we've talked about so far in the book of Romans. In that verse. John chapter 3. And it fits into our theological statement. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now the main goal, at least for me when I preach, is always to preach the gospel. I always want to end with the gospel. I've attempted the best I could to explain to you what the gospel is today. And that's Jesus, crucified, buried, and resurrected. And that's what the gospel calls us to, is to believe that Jesus is able and did die for all of our sins. We didn't miss one every one of them. Because if there was one sin that he missed, it would have been mine. It would have been yours. It would be condemned forever. But he died, he paid the price for our sin. Completely and totally. As we've learned today that whoever believes in Christ 
repentance and faith. So let's stand and pray. And I ask you today, if you've never trusted Christ, to do it today because you're not promised tomorrow. You're not promised five minutes from now. Every one of us is going to get out of this life the same way that we're going to Once we're dead, it's too late to make that decision. It's too late to repent. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for the blessed gospel that you've revealed to us. The gospel that saves sinners. The gospel that saves enemy, your enemies. Father, we thank you for that. Father, we ask that you put it on the hearts of all who have never trusted you to do so. We ask that you would save them, compel them to come like Nicodemus. Father, we just thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. So please remain standing for our last song. with us.